We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz, and it might not have been pretty, but the Nets have won four of five. They now have a two-game lead over Miami for that six seed. Things looking pretty solidified with that six seed, but look, the Nets get the job done against the Utah Jazz, 111-110, but not without a few hiccups along the way. Let's just get right into it. So first off, just going to go through some of my game notes. Uh, around 11-10, Cam Johnson had this really nice drive on Taylor Horton Tucker. I know Nick has mentioned it as well. I've sort of seen this in some of his game film. When he's aggressive, he's got good size. His handle isn't amazing. He doesn't have you know, the lateral quickness of uh, a lot of the better guys in terms of their driving, but he's just strong and big. So I like to see that from, from Cam Johnson. And then he had like a nice dunk as well, really aggressive. When in him and Mikhail, Mikhail has been sensational at getting to the line and, and getting around the rim, but really good to see that from Cam Johnson. Also good to see Nick Claxton again continue to be just... A goddamn weapon. Like, and not just defensively. Some of his offensive stuff that we saw from him tonight, guys. You know, at 28-17, he had this really nice push shot. It was just just really pretty. That's all I can say about it. It was just super duper pretty. And then he also had a couple of lobs, and he was punishing mismatches. Just a, a really nice game from Clax. And I'll get to some of the stats and the individual things a little bit later. But uh, yeah, that was at 28-17. And then... Clax also had like this fake at 48-38 and then he got a fake and take. It was just like boom, boom. And he's done it a couple of times this year. Really aggressive, driving to the rim, finishing with his left. Um, and he got the and one on that one. Uh, the, the free throws as well in that play too. We, we saw Utah get a little bit of time as well. Good to see him get out there, back out there and hit a couple of three balls. Uh, 51-42 was when he hit that first one. Um, just just a, a few other sort of game notes as well, guys. Brooklyn made 13 of its first 25 shots, including four of its first seven three-pointers. They were five of 10, and they only finished the night nine of 32, which was just over 28%. So after that five of 10 start, they went four of 22. So 18% from there. So the offense was clicking early on. Good ball movement. Spencer did when he lead in the way there, but certainly, certainly went downhill. Let's put it that way. And yeah, so they were leading by 11 at halftime and then outscored Utah, the Jazz, over 28 to 15 over a 10 and a half minute span between the third and fourth quarters. They had this 23 point lead and then the fourth quarter happened. Uh, just a few more little game notes. Mikhail, he was just really good at finding space around the mid range. 
just he's just really crafty as an offensive player I'm, I'm not sure if I've used that word to describe him before but has really good offensive craft you know whether it's the mid-range whether it's around the rim he's really getting a lot better his three ball the pull-up three all of those different things just really really nice from him Spencer also had a pretty positive game tonight his probably highlight play was that sort of euro getting into the and one you know the 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 dexterity and you know the the finishing on the angles you know the Spencer Dimon is a really smart player and he certainly read the angles on that finish a Utah as well guys that that sort of 23 point lead mark the the play that led to the 23 point lead was this nice straight line drive from Utah he drew the defender dished it off to Daron Sharp for for the easy finish and that's happened a couple of times for Utah you know just good to see him get some minutes good to see him continue con- to contribute positively you know, on the biggest stand on the Utah Watsonabe train. Um, we also saw some nice minutes from Seth, you know, other than, you know, we'll get into the, the fourth quarter ways with some of his free throws. And then Spencer, you're finding some synergy with Clax. You know, he had a, a nice little pick and roll at 103.84 to him. And that was a, a really nice to sort of see that sort of happening because he's, Spencer's had a little bit with DFS as well earlier in the game. Um, but yeah, and, and in that third quarter, Cal Bridges had 17 of his 19 second half points, got to the line, I think, 12 times, I think 10 of his free throws. So he's becoming, you know, sort of Luca-esque and James Harden-esque with his ability to get to the free throw line. As he said, you know, he's learned from his former teammates in Devin Book and Chris Paul to do that. It's it's why I, I, I think his star jump is so sustainable and it is absolutely real. So I'm going to dive deep here now, guys, into... What was an interesting final three minutes? So the Nets, they have a 23-point lead. That whittles down to 19, and it whittles down to 10. And the, the Jazz are on an 11-0 run. It's 103-93. Markkinen misses this three. The Jazz get an offensive board, and Larry cuts through, and he gets a layup. 97-103. The Net Jazz are now on a 13-0 run. Then THT, who was looking like prime LeBron James at the different points of the game, drove hard. Another bucket for the Jazz, 99-103, 15-0 Jazz run. And the Nets at this point have missed their last six field goal attempts. The fourth quarter offensive woes you know, were in stark contrast to the ball movement and synergy that was happening in the first two and a half sort of quarters and maybe even three and a half if you, you want to say that as well. But th- th- there, is, there, there is issues with that, especially when you know, th- th- he was, Spencer was getting doubled quite profusely. And that was a good coaching wrinkle from Will Hardy and the Utah Jazz. You know, Spencer would get the switch onto Lowry and then they would immediately hard double him, forcing Spencer to get the ball out of his hand. And there were times where you know, the net players were in the right spot. The ball movement wasn't there. There were turnovers, all these different things. But it worked for the most part for the Jazz in terms of that strategy. But where am I up to now? So yeah, then Dinwiddie finally gets the Nets a bucket after missing those last six field goals. With a sort of running, sort of fading, falling jumper, 99105. Um, but still, the the Utah Jazz continue to hang in. THT got an easy drive and lay in 103-106. Uh, right at the end of the game, 27 seconds left. The ball swings, 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 swings. And Mikael Bridges seals it You know, with 27 seconds left somewhat. But he made a mistake on the defensive end in the, in the next possession where he was in no man's land and wasn't keeping his eye on, on THT, Taylor Horton Tucker. And he got an easy cut to lay up. And there was just a lot of defensive mistakes uh, in that sort of fourth quarter. Then Abachi hits this three on the inbounds with the, about 12 seconds remaining. And the Jazz are only down by two. 
You know, Spencer hits only one of the free throws when he gets fouled. Uh, and then Mikhail fouls THT when the Nets are up three. So that was a, a good possession. And that was nice to sort of see from the Nets actually fouling guys when they're up three. So it just makes sense. And then we see, you know, day one Sharp got in, in, in installed, uh, substituted in for the uh, free throws on the, the rebounds. And then after that possession, Seth Curry gets substituted in because... He's probably the best free throw shooter on the team, or one of the best free throw shooters on the team. You know, easily above 90%. Him, Mikael Bridges, are probably the two guys I feel the most confident with. And then there's about five seconds remaining, and Seth gets fouled after the inbounds is the backcourt. And Seth Curry misses both free throws. Alenic gets the board, and it is chaos. Absolute utter chaos. The Nets are scrambling. The Jazz are scrambling. Kelly Olenek's bringing the ball up the court. He heaves up a shot, and thankfully... For the net's sake, and probably for the Utah Jazz, who are probably looking to tank, it doesn't go in. But look, it wasn't perfect. There was a lot, a lot of issues. But ultimately, all that matters is the W. You know, we're not going to be looking back on this one. And really, looking at many of the highlight plays, especially from that fourth quarter. So, look, there were some the things that Jacques Vaughn did well in timeouts and different little things here and there. I, just, I don't think that a lot of the things he did were were positive or were great but ultimately you know they, they get the win and I, and I think that's all that, that that matters you know the substitutions and the fouling up three that was that was positive and and nice to see but in, in saying that you know there's a, a lot to work on and and this sort of fourth quarter performance isn't going to work against a team like the Philadelphia 76ers who the Nets have a little bit of a practice game up against before a likely, very highly likely playoff matchup uh, against them. But after the break, guys, I'll dive deep more into the game and some more Nets stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's just get to the individual players and uh, dive deep into more of the individual performances, guys. So look, Dorian Finney-Smith, let's dive into the five starters. Three or six from the field, one or two from three, one or two from the free throw line. The eight points, did have the two blocks. He was fine tonight, you know, in the plus minus he was zero. I think that, again, the, the three ball is something that is just going to be a key indicator for him and how he's contributing to the Nets and, and their offense. Cam Johnson, I thought, was pretty good. You know, 32 minutes to him, 5-9 from the field, 1-2 from 3, 7-8 from the free throw line. Good to see him get there. Six boards is a nice little thing for him as well. He's got some size. He should be hitting the glass. The Nets do struggle there. Also had two dimes and the two turners for his 18 points. So his 18-6-2 and six and two was a, a nice little contribution. I mentioned some of the plays that stuck out to him. You know, only the two threes, but you know he's been doing much better. And I'll get to more of his stats and 
him him a little bit later in terms of what he's been doing of late. Mikael Bridges, 39 minutes for him tonight. A 9 of 25, 9 of 29 from the field and only 1 of 8 from 3. But still the 30 points, still plus 8 on the night, led the team in that department. Had the 3 steals, 2 assists, 7 boards, only the 1 turnover. 11 of 13 from the free throw line. Without those free throws, it's not a good night for Mikael Bridges. But he's been doing this so goddamn consistently. And as I said... I think it might have been a week ago or so now. You know, he's one of the top 10 guys, and he'd probably be even higher than that since I looked at that stat in terms of his volume at getting to the free throw line. And one of the few guys, I think it's him and Damian Lillard, you know, that are shooting 90% or plus over a, a really extended span. So while the three ball wasn't there, while some of the shot making wasn't there, getting to the free throw line and getting easy buckets. Mikael Bridges' craft, as I alluded to, is continuing to grow, and he's just a a wonderful player to, to watch and, and see him flourish into the player that he is becoming as a Brooklyn Net. And, you know, that contract I think I tweeted out today is just, it might be one of the best in the league. You know, a guy earning $25 million or less as a, a franchise corner piece. Yes, please. And speaking of contract friendly, Nick Claxton, 32 minutes for him tonight, seven of eight from the field, had the seven boards, two of them offensive, did have two steals and assist, didn't have a block tonight, which is surprising from Clax, but some of those steals might've been sort of blocky steals like bleals or stocks. Was plus three in the night for his 14 points. As I alluded to, you know, his offensive craft is, is just his confidence, all of the things that were he's just so consistent as well like you know him and him and mikhail you can just rely upon night after night after night just to to give you something whether it's offensive production defensive production or both and clax's growth is is a joy to watch you know in a similar to mikhail bridge and the fact he's been able to sustain it in you know after the trade deadline and this entire season is a full credit to him and all the work that he's put in and he's getting the rewards for that he's earning himself a, a big payday coming soon after a nice little payday he got in the offseason Spencer Dimity tonight guys 17 points 12 assists really nice double double from him four boards and only the two turnovers was plus four in the night five or six in the free throw line two or five from three five or 13 from the field this is the sort of steadiness that we've been alluding to and wanting from Spencer Dimity and he's continuing to show that his playmaking his read and feel for the game I think that Jacques Vaughn needs to change some things, maybe get the ball out of his hands in the fourth quarter just to provide a point of difference and unpredictability because, you know, Spencer, he reads the ball well and he reads the, the plays well when he's getting doubled. He's making the right pass. He's not you know, turning the ball over. I just think that providing a semblance of unpredictability, get the ball into Mikhail's hands or Royce's hands, then give it back to him or, or Seth, whoever might be out there as a, sorry, a secondary ball handler could help Spencer Dinwiddie in those sort of plays where the time does drag down on the shot clock and Spencer's forced to make either a bad shot or, you know, swing the ball quickly. So, but again, a really nice game from Spencer Dinwiddie tonight and he's continued to be a, a real positive impact for the Nets. Getting to the bench, Royce O'Neal, only one of five from three in his 19 minutes and that one was a, a three ball, but did have the four assists and the three boards, the turnover. Royce continuing to do enough as a bench contributor but in the other bench guys we the nets went like 11 deep tonight guys which is you, know, you got five minutes from joe nothing to really other than a steal and assist from him in those five minutes you two in his eight minutes two or four from three also had the two assists i think those minutes need to be elevated a little bit you know seth curry i thought was positive enough in his 17 minutes three or seven from the field one or three from three but you know it does stick out to me that he was minus seven in those 17 minutes and maybe it was just he was a product of being in the wrong place at the wrong time in the wrong lineups but i still think that you know you can give those minutes to utah i think he just fits more of what the identity of the team is right now in terms of 
three-point shooting, energy, defense, those sort of things. He gives those, whereas Seth, I just don't really think fits that mold and he can be you know, targeted a, a little bit and uh, as can Cam Thomas who hit a nice little uh, field goal on the, the shot that he did take. Did have a couple of boards as well in his nine minutes. It, it was just interesting to see that the, the Jaguar did go 11 deep and I'd be intrigued to know what the reasoning behind that was. If I you know, had a, a question in the post-game press, that would have been something that I would have asked, you know, experimenting a little bit. I don't know, but why not? But yeah, I think in Dayron Sharp in his 15 minutes, two or three from the field, also had both his free throws and seven <laughs> boards in 15 minutes, including four of them offensive. He is a relentless rebounder and I thought he was okay defensively too. So Dayron Sharp continued to contribute positively and that's important for the Nets because look, that Moses Brown isn't really playing a lot. I think Dayron Sharp, is, is going to be playable in the right matchups. We'll see how the rest of the season goes for him. And maybe in the postseason, those limits, those minutes get lessened and the Nets lean into DFS at the five and maybe some Utah. I want to see more of Utah. Give him more of those minutes. I know that Jafar mentioned his back. Him recovering from that has been some of the reason why his minutes have been lessened. But I think he's starting to get that confidence now. The three ball starting to fall. You know, taking four shots in eight minutes. You know, obviously at the start of the season, he was one of the best three-point shooters should have been in the, in the three-point contest. But to see him do that um, was really, really positive. So good to see Yuta back. And look, the, the team stats overall, guys, you know, there's nothing much to really ride home about. You know, the Nets shot the ball poorly in the second half and gave up 42 points to the Utah Jazz in that fourth quarter compared to 17 in the first. So a really sort of stark contrast in the way the Nets started the games and, and ended the game. They got to the line 34 times and hit 26 of them, but the Jazz themselves got there 30 times. You know, the Nets got out-rebounded by 12, and that was mainly defensively, eight, uh, an extra eight defensive boards. Uh, also points in the paint, 60 to 42. So, look, the, the Nets were able to do a lot of the damage in the first half, and thankfully that was allowed them to, to hold on in, in a big way. But they took the credit took care of the ball well again that's uh, largely thanks to Spencer Dinwiddie but I'll get to a few other things guys now look starting on Mikhail Bridges his last six games have been pretty crazy and I just wanted to point out just to give it some context because we do game by game recaps and it's sort of hard to, to to think back and look forward and all these different things when doing these recaps but it's worth pointing out just the stats and the numbers from Mikel Bridges over his last six games. And, and let's put him out there. 32.6 rebounds on 58 field goal percentage. 27 points, 3 rebounds, 7 assists. 44.6 rebounds on 59% shooting. 27 points, 6 rebounds, 6 of 6. Four, uh, 6 assists, sorry. Uh, 42 points, 4 rebounds, 66 field goal percentage. 30 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. Like This guy is... like oh, I've said before that the best thing about seeing this is the surprise nature of it it's a little like sga now i'm not a person to put ceilings on guys and i've said that you know when nick and i did the the deep dive on, on cam and mikhail over the sort of deadline and i'm like look let's just let this guy flourish and he's turning into look he's a top three two-way guy where does he rank you know is it Kawhi leonard probably is the guy that sticks out the most Giannis probably as well but as an offense uh, as a three-level scorer, I think Mikael Bridges has more in his bag than Giannis does, to, to be fair. I think, obviously, his talent and physicality is something that sticks out, and he's an MVP contender. But Mikael Bridges is, you know, I'm sort of, like, changing my range. I'm like, is he top 25, 30 player, top 20, 25 player? Is he fringe all-NBA player? Look, I'm not going to put ceilings on him, but I'm 
I cannot wait to see how he continues to grow and develop and how he contributes in the postseason because when the lights are brightest and the defense is locked in and against a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm not, not going to have any expectations I'm on Mikel. I just wanted to ball out and continue to have the confidence, continue to have the fun, continue to lead this team because he is having a firm imprint on the identity with his joy uh, that, that he just brings in general and keeps seeing that three ball celebration no one else cat everyone else take that celebration away it's trademark to brooklyn bridges ladies and gentlemen but yeah really good to see him and looking at the last five games overall him and cam johnson together have been producing really effectively cam johnson nearly 20 points per game five rebounds three assists on 57 percent shooting from the field and 45 percent from three 93 percent from the free throw line Mikhail is averaging over that span 34 points 5.2 rebounds 3.8 assists 50 percent from the field 48 percent from three 92 percent from the free throw line you gotta love what the twins are doing and i think that them being together there's an intangible quality that brings out the best when you have a semblance of comfort and friendship it's why nick and i have produced this podcast for so long and i like to think that we do it pretty well because we have you know great chemistry great friendships so really loving what those two are doing together so let him cook let him cook let him cook um, in terms of spencer dimity as well guys his assist numbers he had his 10th 10 assist game for the Nets since the deadline, which is awesome. And again, great consistency. Only Trey Young and CP3 have had more assists than Spencer Dimity since that trade deadline. And I'll look up maybe like the, the assist to turnover ratio because the way he's been taking care of the ball as well has been a, a marvel to watch as well. So Spencer, you know, in the elite company with the way he's been facilitating, you, you just got to love it. You, you just have to, so plainly, plainly and simply. And there's another little funny game notes. I think it was on the Jumbotron for, I think it was Christian Winfield that tweeted this out. The Nets just showed a style of the Jumbotron showing opponents have the worst free throw shooting percentage at Barclays Center than any other arena. They then showed Mr. Whammy on the Jumbotron and he got a round of applause. And I think Spencer said something funny like, you know, uh, Joe Sy should take him out for dinner and maybe help with his rent a little bit. I'm like, yes, please. Let Mr. Whammy is a goddamn Brooklyn Nets treasure. National treasure, international treasure, because, you know, even down under, we know about goddamn Mr. Whammy. Um, any final little things here, guys? No, good to get the win. Let's move past it. Let's not reflect on it too much other than the positive things to take from it and hopefully improvements in the fourth quarter. We got a couple little updates that I wanted to sort of bring to you guys in terms of Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton talking a little bit about his future. He said, I'd love to be here. And, and let me just get to some of these quotes. Look, he turns, do, 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 do. let me scroll down. He said this to the New York Post and Brian Lewis. It's human nature. It's just in our business. You never really know what's going to happen as far as trades, contracts and everything. But I've been here four years and Brooklyn has been a huge time, played a huge role in my growth and I would love to be here. But we'll see how that shakes out. I'm just taking it day by day. Have a great summer working out and figure all that stuff later. So look, I want Nick Claxton to be a Brooklyn Net for a very, very long time. I'll be intrigued to see how the contract machinations and roster construction works going forward. Sean Marks, hopefully he can figure some stuff out. But the fact that he's, despite all the chaos that's happened in the four years that Nick Claxton has been in Brooklyn and the, the the development that he has shown on both ends of the floor and the fact he wants to be here, solidify him, pay him what he is worth. And the new CBA, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. So good to see Clax wants to be in Brooklyn. Clax City is continuing to grow and flourish. And Ben, ben Simmons' new agent, Bernie Lee, uh, spoke to Brian Lewis as well, guys. He said this, 
Without getting it, so the the BS report brought to you by unnamed sponsor. I forgot to bring that one out. I thought the BS report would be our final one the other day, but we're getting into some more. And he's been at the games, he's been at practices as well from Ben Simmons. So who knows what's going on there? But Bernie Lee did say this to Brian Lewis. Without getting into specifics, what I've learned in all these conversations is that what Ben experienced here is considered to be part of the recovery from his previous procedure. The NBA schedule is obviously rigorous and not forgiving to the need for patience at times. And Ben made every effort to be available to help his team in every way as much as he could. This step at this point in time is being taken in partnership with the team to support Ben to allow him to get himself physically prepared to begin the start of next season in an effort to lead the Nets in the way he's shown over the course of his young career he's capable of doing. So, look, I... I don't know. Like, look, it's... Uh, I just hope that those all... We, we see Ben Simmons fit and healthy, whether it's in a Brooklyn Nets uniform or not. I don't know. It's it's just disappointing to see this is the way it's panned out. Hopefully his body doesn't continue to keep failing him because he's got so much talent and potential. And we've seen that in, in spurts as a Brooklyn Nets. We've seen that in you know sustained stretches within the NBA. <sighs> Predicting how Ben Simmons will recover and come back is, is full goal, fool's gold, ladies and gentlemen. But in saying that, what I can predict is that the Nets are going to keep rolling. We'll keep on taking care of business. We'll be back with the Brooklyn Buzz and we'll be covering every single step of the way. Nets world, ladies and gents. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.